Several years ago, I was at a spiritual conference, and the priest giving the conference said something that I thought was really, really profound and very much proved and applied to basically the spiritual life. And he said, you could be in non-spiritual desolation and still be in spiritual consolation. You can be in non-spiritual desolation and still be in spiritual consolation. Basically, non-spiritual desolation, the crosses of life. Cancer, low grades, problems at home, issues with, with our work, issues with our families, issues with this, that, and the other. Non-spiritual desolation. Basic human suffering. And yet, in the midst of all of this non-spiritual desolation, by the grace of God, by our Catholic faith, and by our perseverance, we can still be in consolation. We can still have the peace of Christ deep down within our hearts. And I feel like that's exactly what Jesus is telling his apostles right here in today's gospel. In today's gospel, we have just a marvelous array and painting of images of death, destruction, war, famine, all kinds of stuff. It's really a very unique gospel insofar as it it, it kind of turns the tide on Jesus and not just being him like a good wise guru, but a kind of a a prophet that almost seems a little a little weird. But the crazy part about all of these these prophecies is that every single one of them came true. What Jesus does in the beginning is he opens up a scene of destruction. He then speaks of false prophets, and then he says something even stranger. He says there'll be signs in the clouds and nations up against each other. Signs in the clouds. And all this actually happened. Whenever we're talking about scenes of destruction, and whenever we're talking about this, this idea of stones being thrown upon stones, what he's referencing is the destruction of the temple in the year AD 70 by the Romans. This is something that, a bit of a historical fact, it was a very terrifying experience, and it was something that really, really rocked the Jewish world. Because they assumed they had the temple, God was going to be on their side, they can overthrow the Romans, and they couldn't be touched. Lo and behold, they were wrong. It was something nobody saw coming. But he also mentions these false messiahs. It's interesting because the, Rome, the Jewish insurrection in the first Roman war, which began around the year 62, 64, had its, its fair share of leaders within it. Well, you might call false messiahs false political leaders. But there was another great false messiah. His name was Simon Bar Kokhba. Simon Bar Kokhba led the second Jewish-Roman war. It was a Jewish insurrection, and he claimed he himself was the messiah. He claimed he was, he was what Jesus was not. And what he did was he led an insurrection against the Roman Empire, formed a Jewish state, only to later be destroyed, and he was ultimately killed in 135 A.D. So point being is what Jesus is mentioning very much came true, and we have the historical facts to show it. But what about this crazy thing? Look at, listen to this. There will be powerful earthquakes, famines, plagues, and awesome sights and mighty signs will come from the sky. A lot of people think this is the apocalypse. This isn't the apocalypse. This is the destruction of Jerusalem. And we know that because of an account by Flavius Flavius Josephus. Now, Flavius Josephus was a Jewish author in the year 75 AD, five years after the destruction of the temple, five years after the destruction of Jerusalem. 
Now, what's interesting about Flavius Josephus is that he wasn't a Christian. He was Jewish, and yet he wasn't really a a Jew. He was more on the Roman side. So he was kind of like Zacchaeus, just kind of more more sympathetic to the Romans to the point where he actually spied and and worked for the Romans during during the war of Jerusalem. And this is what he has to say about the war in Jerusalem and, and about an, an event that very much applies to this gospel passage. He said, besides these signs, a few days after that feast on one and twentieth day, on the one and twentieth day of the month of Artemisius, Jair, a certain prodigious and incredible phenomenon appeared. I suppose the account, if it would seem to be a fable, were it not related by those that saw it, and were not the events that followed it of so considerable a nature as to deserve such signals. For before the sun setting, chariots and troops of soldiers in their armor were seen running about among the clouds and surrounding of cities. Moreover, at the feast which we call Pentecost, As the priests were going by night into the inner court of the temple, as their custom was to perform their sacred ministrations, they said that in the first place, they felt a quaking and heard a great noise. And after that, they heard a sound as of a great multitude saying, let us remove hence, let us remove remove hence is in run away run away guys this is quite astounding by the fact that this account came about from not a christian not a not a a catholic not even a jewish sympathizer but somebody who's just trying to write straight history acknowledging that there really were signs coming from the sky and there really were kind of things that to warn the Christians, to warn them that there would be something wrong. A sign that ultimately said, get out of here. And the Christians did. They did, they did escape. They, went, they moved to the, the city-state of Pella, and they avoided destruction. So these things are, all, are not just fantasy. This is actually historically accounted for. But then he goes on to say, before this happens, guys, he's looking at his apostles whenever he's saying that, you will be roughed up. They will seize you, they will persecute you, they will hang you to synagogues, prisons. Let me just warn you, you're going to get whooped. And all that happened. And we know this through three historical facts. We don't, the other 12 apostles, we've got a little iffy about. We don't really fully know what was going on there. We don't know, we don't know all their details, but we know three of them. James, Peter, Paul. James was killed by Herod in the year 44 AD. Peter was crucified upside down by Nero in the year 68 or 69 AD. Paul beheaded by Nero with the sword 62 AD. All of these things happened before the destruction of the temple, meaning essentially that what Jesus is saying is not just symbolic, but actual, real, historic fact. But why is he telling us this? Why is he telling his apostles all of these dreadful things, all of these awful things that they are to suffer? Because he wants to let them know that amidst all of this non-spiritual desolation, not a hair 
on your head will be destroyed. Mm. Not a hair on your head will be destroyed. You can still have spiritual consolation. You can still be at peace, even with all the violence, even with all the confusion, even with all the, 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 this, these images of terror and death because of my name, because of the peace of Christ. But what's the secret? What's the secret to being and enduring the wild waves of the destruction of the, of the, of the life around us of the crosses that we must bear, of the sufferings that we must endure. What is the secret to overcoming this stuff? Jesus tells us right here. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. What he's telling you, what he's telling me, is to persevere. You're going to experience suffering. You're going to experience shame. You're going to experience crosses. Don't let that get you down. Don't fall into the temptation to despair. Don't give in to the non-spiritual desolation. You're better than that. You're stronger than that. And that's what he's saying. But here's the trick. In the world's eyes, this is ridiculous. The idea of persevering in our faith and persevering in the church is not a popular idea. Even though the world values perseverance. Think about it. If somebody perseveres in the realm of sports, what are they called? An athlete. If somebody perseveres in the realm of employment, what are they called? A businessman. Somebody perseveres in academics, they're called scholars. But if you persevere in Jesus Christ, what are you called? Weird. Downright strange. There's an oddness to this whole thing. What are you doing? Why do you care so much? This isn't normal. You're being a Jesus freak. At least that's what I've been told before. It's not natural. Fair enough. I have to agree with them. It is not natural. What we're doing is not natural. It is not natural to pray a rosary every day. It is not natural to not eat meat on Fridays. It is not natural to give money to the poor. It is not natural... Get this, it is definitely not natural to come into a building, stand, kneel, and sit around a gold box and around a table. That is not natural. That is weird. And yet, and yet I would argue that it's supernatural. It's supernatural. It goes beyond what we think is normal and makes us right. It makes us sane. It helps us out. It gives us consolation in the midst of the crosses and the suffering you and I must bear. Why? Because it reminds us something special. It reminds us that you and I are simply not of this world. That you and I are worth so much more. That we're more than our sufferings. We're more than our failures. We're more than our losses. We are intrinsically good through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what this perseverance is meant to remind us of, that we are good down to the very core of our being, no matter what happens to us. That's something the apostles recognize, that's something the martyrs recognize, that's something the saints recognize, and that's something that you and I are called to recognize today. So my friends, I encourage you, in the midst of the sufferings that you might be going through, in the midst of the trials of your life, 
Don't forget the healing power of Christ. Don't forget to persevere in your faith. Yes, you might be called weird. Yes, you might be called a Jesus freak. But dang it, you're going to be so much happier for it. Because you'll know deep down inside that not a single hair on your head can be destroyed. Amen.